Hey guys, welcome back. It's Chris Bercher and this is Knowledge Plus Experience Equals Wisdom. And I'm going to add a couple of variables into that equation and continue to test its validity with episode 28, Doubt. Now the subject of doubt for me is fairly personal because I, I um, when I was uh, into philosophy back in the day, um, mostly in high school and when I was a budding philosophy major when I was about 18, um, I was really stuck on Descartes. And now I don't profess to be any kind of philosophical expert or anything, but what I got out of my brief study of Descartes was he was the guy who said, I think therefore I am. And the way that he went about doing this was by continue, uh, continually doubting himself uh, and, and he figured if he couldn't find any evidence that he in fact existed, then he must not exist. But in the end, to, to some degree and summarizing, um, really inadequately, he, he decided that because he actually doubted, um, that he existed, that therefore that doubt made him exist. And some of that I learned, I would learn later when I was studying science sort of was, um, at the root of the scientific method where you, you sort of want to test an idea that you think may be true against an idea that you think may not be true. And there's, so you sort of necessarily learn as a budding scientist to doubt yourself, um, to remove sort of your bias because inherently you go through the world, uh, thinking, you know, (laughs) what it is, you know, that, that you're right. As my friend Paul Godola says, you know, you think you are right. And a little bit of doubt is not only healthy in sort of questioning whether or not you actually are right, though maybe maybe I'm not right. Hold on a minute. Uh, and, it, and it introduces that sort of scientific dialogue or that dichotomy of, you know, there being uh, both a, cor- a correct answer and then a world or a world where your idea is accurate and a, a, a world where your idea is completely inaccurate. And the way science was sort of set up uh, to test hypotheses, you know, I guess everything in science sort of has to go back to this, and it's one of those things that's really terribly difficult for people to grasp, including myself, except I was beaten over the head with it so many times I finally got it, is that your idea in science is formulated into a hypothesis. I've said this before, and you remember this. Everybody calls it a... I can't remember an educated guess, but what a hypothesis really is is sort of what you think. In order to test this scientifically, you have to come up with an opposing null hypothesis that basically says what you think uh, has no effect. Uh, so that's sort of the doubt part, you know. So it balances out um, what you think you know uh, with the possible existence of you being incorrect about that or that what you know doesn't exist or that what you know is is inaccurate or wrong. Anyway, long story short, I have, I, I have sort of embodied this concept of doubt um, and, I, and I've sort of like wear it on my sleeve, you know, as a, like a badge of honor that I am a person who goes through life uh, with a sort of healthy amount of doubt. Now, on the one hand, doubt is is empowering in the sense of, um, <laughs> and you, you know, giving you a little bit of, um, gosh, I'm struggling with words, um, a little bit of um, humility by saying, well, I, I, you know, there's always a chance that what I think is incorrect. 
And if you go through, I think that's a better way for people to go through life and just assuming, not assuming that everything we think is right, but leaving the door open a little bit for uh, an alternative explanation or for room for you to grow or, you know, that your ideas might need massaging or that you're just outright and, and, and incredibly incorrect. Uh, I think it's important to acknowledge that and to always have the door open. But the problem is, you know, doubt can range, uh, you know, greatly. And what I am experiencing or think, I think I've experienced as, as a side effect of doubt is sort of just taking it too far. Um, because if you take, you know, another sort of um, connotation with the word doubt is just like, uh, you know, analysis, paralysis, indec- indecisivity, <laughs> indecision, um, and being unable to um, choose, unable to make a decision, and, and essentially paralyzed and unable to, to, to move forward. Sort of the flip side of, um, of knowing, and this goes into the equation, right? If knowledge uh, plus experience equals wisdom, well, not, you know, doubt uh, to, to sort of can break up that equation to a certain extent, and I, and I think I'll, I'll try to revisit that several times during today's podcast um, and video. So d- doubt can be a good thing, and doubt can be a bad thing. It can it can run this huge gamut from being, you know, a, a healthy and helpful all the way uh, toward being sort of par- paralytic, uh, and then probably. You know, I guess in the, the the helpful doubt is in the middle. It's sort of this neutral Goldilocksian zone where, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a healthy and beneficial thing, and it doesn't it doesn't create any damage in either direction. One direction sort of being that paralytic. I can't make any decisions. I doubt everything. I don't even know what I stand for. Who am I? Uh, what am I? Um, nothing is real. Like the Descartes, Descartes sort of approach. I can't find any evidence toward anything. So. Pfft throw my hands up in the air and just doubt everything and why does it matter? Uh, all the way to the other end where you're you're so absent of some healthy doubt um, that you become something else, maybe arrogant or selfish or unaware or that person who thinks they're always right because it's impossible. You know, right, we're all above average. You know, we're all right all the time. Well I guess I guess it is possible for everybody to be right all the time. I just don't think it's a real thing. So anyway, that brings up a couple of other descriptors. I remember, you know, when I was developing my, you know, what I've called Cartesian, you know, it's funny, semantics, you know, uh, I can say, well, I simply make decisions in a Cartesian way. I doubt them until I can, you know, no longer prove they're not real. And so I have to accept that they are real. And that's, that's not an invalid point, and it would work for Descartes. And like I said, it led to science, but I'm here to sort of admit the error of my ways because not only I don't think that's the best way to go about an, an argument or walking through life with this this cloak of doubt or whatever, there are other ways to do that that are kind of more accurately get at the idea of always having a null hypothesis or admitting up front that you may may not be right. Uh, but what I, I, when I started to develop this personality trait was in high school, and I remember one of my favorite teachers in high school, uh, Mr. Bell, Al Bell, he taught AP American History, and he told me, I reached out to him, he's one of the only high school teachers I reached out to after high school because I, I remember vividly telling him I didn't want to be a teacher because you just did the same thing every year, especially with respect to history. Like how, you know, he, he, he seemed like a cool guy. It's like, how can you be satisfied teaching the same thing year after year? And he looked at me and he's like, or I guess when I asked him this in email, he said, you know, you're wrong. 
the material may not change, but the, the students change. And so my relationships to that, and I, you know, that just sort of blew my mind, like that you could basically be doing the same thing, but having a different experience based on the people you're interacting with. I was like, man, that's, that's mind blowing. And, and I, and I learned to appreciate some of that in my teaching, um, experience. But anyway, what he, he, I remember him telling me that I always had a healthy cynicism. And so there's, there's another way to describe doubt that more accurately maybe depicts what I was going after. It's just a, a cynicism that what we see may not be real or what we think may not be true. Uh, and therefore, a, a cynical attitude or a healthy cynicism um, could be beneficial to getting closer to the truth and being more open-minded or less closed-minded. Now, the term cynicism has a pretty negative connotation. You know, nobody really wants to be called a cynic except for the, the group of philosophers that sort of predated Descartes that actually referred to themselves as the cynics and sort of along those same lines, you know, doubted reality to the point where they uh, could define it uh, by what remained, <laughs> you know, uh, to be true. And again, I'm not a philosophical uh, scholar. I don't really know what, what I'm just inferring from the word cynicism. We have a negative sort of connotation with that, and I don't want to be, you know, a cynic. Uh, and so with respect to the science, you know, uh, the scientist that I would eventually sort of become and carry with me a bit of to this day, um, the term skepticism came up. Okay, well, you know, skepticism is a little bit different than cynicism and just sort of implies that I have a more neutral questioning position or a position where I admit that I may not be right, that I have an idea, but I leave the door open for, you know, alternative explanations without having this, you know, negative connotation that I'm looking for flaws in the world or I'm looking to fail, you know, and there's where the sort of unhealthy elements of doubt come in. This, 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 you know, <laughs> cloudy, stormy, you know, negative energy um, that you that some people carry through life that can often you know be referred to as cynical people. You know, skeptical has a different uh, connotation. So there's something about skepticism that's okay, and I think the scientific world uh, embodies this element of doubt. But but still, all of these terms can come back to sort of you know I don't know. Right, so maybe some element of doubt is just by simply admitting, "I don't know." Now, in and of itself, that statement has no value, rather than other than to say, "I simply do not have the information." It's it's sort of neutral, right? Now you can carry that into different directions. You can carry that into, "I don't know," and I'm a, I'm a scientist, and I'm taking a superior approach to answering this question. That's a positive thing, maybe. Uh, so I don't know. To, uh, I lack some knowledge or information that maybe other people have. Maybe carried in a negative way. Uh, and all that stuff sort of muddies the waters and gets us away from the point of just simply leaving the door open. Uh, for an alternative explanation. Now, I'm not even going to say being right or wrong because those also have positive and negative connotations, right? It's it's simply operating from a position of being aware that there are alternate explanations to what we believe in. And the only place that that doesn't really work is when we get closer and closer to things that we may call truths 
or facts in certain things realm um, in the realm of the unknowable and the realm of the known and the realm of the unknown there are certain things that are indisputable in which case to have some sort of doubt or uncertainty about those things would probably reflect on our capacity to know them uh, rather rather than the actual things themselves like uh you know, so this is a weird week. It's November second. The election is tomorrow. There's a whole lot of doubt and, and about unknowns about what the outcome of that election will be. There is no truth as of yet in time, uh, and so there's nothing. Um, there's no failure in admitting that you don't know. In fact, there's probably a failure in admitting that you do know because nobody knows what the outcome is going to be yet. But there's a lot of reasons, uh, you know, to, to 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 personify some position. Uh, in there, you know, some people might have doubt because of fears. Um, some people may have doubt because of, uh, you know, genuine uh, belief systems. It doesn't matter. Those maybe not the best example. Um, and so, even though there's a lot of words that we use with negative, various connotations associated with those words uh, that we've placed on them that maybe don't make any sense, the doubt that I'm talking about at its fundamental level. Um, that is a useful tool for humanity is simply admitting that we may be wrong. Taken now, what I've done and why what I'm sort of um, admitting to and um, be, being vulnerable, uh, vulnerable, vulnerable about, or or asking to be held accountable for, is the negative connotation of doubt when you can take it to the point of becoming cynical. And I think it's a slippery slope, uh, although that's you know a logical fallacy. There's no cause, you know, there's no cause, there's no, if you doubt something, it doesn't mean you're going to become a cynic. And I can't blame that, me being cynical on that. But I think I have allowed myself to push the doubt envelope toward uh, assuming a negative outcome. That sort of cynicism of, of, um, um, of pessimism, right? So, I mean, there's there's two more words here that we can use to sort of describe the doubt continuum. Pessimism on one side of always expecting a sort of a negative outcome and optimism on the other side of often choosing a, a more positive outcome. So doubt can push you towards pessimism. Skepticism, cynicism, pessimism, they're different things that describe sort of the same field, which would be sort of to the right-hand side of doubt. And on the left-hand side would be things like, um, you know, optimism and, and wishful thinking or whatever. And then another word that sort of comes into that realm that I, I use doubt as an excuse for or cynicism as an excuse for is optimism or na- uh, naivete. Um, so doubt... I have used doubt as a crutch to disguise a maybe a potentially unhealthy lack of knowledge um, by saying, you know, well, I don't think that's going to happen uh, is, is 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 one explanation or one alternate one alternative way of saying I don't know, um, which is really what we're trying to do in the first place is is sort of admit that we don't know without any embarrassment, without any negative connotation uh, about not knowing, because sometimes we simply don't know, and sometimes not knowing is a neutral position that allows us to sort of then move forward. Uh, okay, I don't know. Maybe I need more information. Maybe this is an unimportant decision. Uh, maybe somebody else can help me. Um, um, so that's that's an element 
of where doubt is an important part of all of our lives and can be carried in one one in many different directions and potentially become unhealthy. So, um, another element where doubt has plagued my life, I think, is related to confidence and self-esteem. So, not being able to predict the future, not being able to provide an answer, not knowing an answer to a question can feel um, vulnerable. It can, it can feel humiliating. It can feel like you are supposed to know something that you don't. And so I think we design a lot of these, um, this lack of doubt, this position of being right, this position of knowing to sort of protect ourselves uh, uh, from being vulnerable and being viewed as less than or not good enough uh, because we don't have the answers to whatever the question is, rather than, again, admit that we don't know or that there may be an alternative explanation, we sort of fill in the blanks with the I'm right. (laughs) Uh, And that exudes confidence, and that that is viewed as a positive thing. And so maybe that explains this sort of phenomenon that my friend Paul has observed that I've really latched onto that everyone thinks they're right. And especially if you think about just, again, with the election, this random world that we live in right now, everybody seems to have become, everybody, many people have become increasingly empowered with voicing their beliefs as if they are the absolute truth. That is... I can explain that better, I'm sure, uh, but that is something that I have observed happening over the last four to eight years, four years or whatever. Longer than that, probably. And again, I can never tease these things apart. Is it me aging and becoming a differently aware of my world, or is it the world actually? Is it me changing or the world changing? But one of the things that I have continually observed as of late in my life and the, and the, the people that surround me is that people seem to have gained... Uh, a disproportionate amount of confidence in their own belief systems to the point where, as Paul says, everyone seems to think they're right and, and more so will adamantly defend that and present their positions publicly with, with an increased confidence that I just didn't see before with a lack of humility, with a lack of doubt, with, a, with the opposite of naivete. It's almost like this machismo confidence thing, right? I mean, I need to be more confident. I want more confidence. And confidence is this um, emotional state or personality trait that is valued in our society. And so by displaying confidence, you receive positive attention from the world for the most part. Now, that's also a slippery slope into arrogance, which you don't want. But if you can maintain a confidence, all you know, many things that you want in life get easier, whether it's finding a mate or a date or uh, winning a job or what, whatever it is, confidence, you know, is, is, is a thread throughout our society that is viewed as a good thing, as long as it stays on just this side of arrogance. And so a state of confidence is, is a desired state. And confidence without doubt isn't really confidence, right? It's some sort of fake thing. It's some sort of sheen of confidence. But really, 
that's all that you want, right? The, the sheen of confidence, the illusion of confidence usually gets you the attention or the accolade or whatever it is that you're, that you're you know, wanting to leverage that confidence for. Except for maybe what I'm seeking is that, um, that internal um, comfort and belief uh, that you are good enough or, or whatever it is just to sort of be satisfied or, you know, a, a reduction of your life struggle or happiness, uh, that, whatever you might call it. And doubt muddies all those waters, you know. You can't be confident if you are doubtful, right? I mean, that is something you see in the movies and you you hear this theme and, you know, like say you're, you're going to win the big game. If you've got some doubt in your mind that you're not going to, then you're not confident enough and you're going to, you're going to lose. And I, and I remember for me, like skateboarding, I used to have this, 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 well, I made these observations that if I was going to perform a particularly risky maneuver or trick or whatever, as soon as I let doubt enter my mind, you know, you would usually get some speed up and you would be going up to do this trick. And if doubt entered your mind on the way, 99 times out of 100, that would pretty much guarantee a wreck. And as long as you could keep doubt out of your mind... Most of the time, I could pull off the maneuver. But whenever I would have these terrible bails, and you know, that's pretty pretty bad. That broke my arm. Uh, anyway, those those moments usually arose because their doubt entered my mind, right? And all my um, peers that were really good, it was like the best skaters were the ones who could keep the fear and the doubt out of their minds. And there and there's another one. So doubt also has a. A healthy relationship with fear. You know, if doubt is coming from a place of fear, then that now becomes, you know, that doubt becomes fear, right? If doubt, if doubt is, um, you know, overwhelmingly or disproportionately influenced by, um, the potential for failure or whatever, the opposite of confidence, if you will, then 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 doubt is no longer doubt because it's fear-based. So if you can take that, so it's like sort of like doubt is a healthy thing depending on where it comes from. If doubt is coming from fear, like, yeah, I don't I don't think she's gonna go on a date with me, so I'm not gonna ask her. That's not a healthy doubt, or I don't think my idea is good enough to test in this theory. That's a fear of failure. Uh, that's that's a different thing, and it's it, it's amazing when you take one word and you can take it apart and come up with all these different things and try to figure out where exactly it's coming from. I know for me, you know, doubt is pro- probably most primarily primarily <laughs> related to lack of confidence. You know, as soon as I think I may fail or that I think I may not be right. To me, that's a failure. That's a fear of not being good enough. Right away, you know, the doubt becomes this incredibly unhealthy thing that you that could potentially prohibit me from moving forward in a successful way. And so doubt is important because I need to win. I need to beat it. I need to wrestle it. I need to take it apart and figure out what it actually is and move those things to the pr- proper location in my life so that I can deal with them that way. Um, We've been talking a lot lately, or I've been been exposed a lot lately to um, people talking about um, um, co- like coaching or taking your blog, or monetizing your blog, or or you know, um, t- going public with your message or or whatever. Uh, and I just I always say about what I'm doing here that that that's not something that I can move forward. That's not good enough. People don't want it. You know, I, I doubt 
that I could be successful the way these other people have. Um, and then I'll come up with a whole list of reasons why that is that have nothing to do with me. They're lucky. They got it easy. They spent more money. They, you know, prescribed evil marketing techniques. You know, I let the doubt in my ability, in myself, the fear of failure get in the way and call it healthy cynicism and just say, I'm being realistic. You know, all of a sudden you can turn that into a completely different story and explain it in a way that makes it sound healthy because there's all of these terms are so close together as far as, you know, skepticism, pessimism, cynicism, doubt, you know, Sit down and try to write def- definitions to those four things that make them distinct, right? But along the continuum of sort of healthy or positive to negative influence on your life, you probably can rank those things from being sort of most healthy to least healthy. Doubt's pretty innocuous, right? Um, you know, pessimism uh, describes sort of that... Um, describes a more negative thing, but maybe skepticism is between those things because skepticism can refer to science. And, well, I have to be a skeptic because all I'm doing there is just saying that I might not be right or you may not be right, and that leaves the door open. And then in between are those two things, a cynicism, which is probably worse than pessimism, I don't know, or somewhere in there. But you could you could line those things up and sort of place a value system on them. And then depending on how you want to tell the story, well, I was, you know, I was just being, I was had a little bit of doubt. You know, that's normal. And somebody else says, no, that, you know, you were being completely cynical. Who, who's to say um, what the story is? And, and so I guess that all comes back to uh, another form of doubt, which is doubting yourself or doubting myself by not even knowing what my real intent is. Where is this coming from? If I am I using the the word doubt to protect myself from cynicism? Am I simply telling a different story so I can feel better about what I'm doing? Then what I'm doing might be a bad thing. It might not be not such a good thing, but I'm going to use a different semantical term to describe it and couch it into a different story that makes me live with it. But at the end of the day, what have I done? I've, you know, I've done myself a terrible disservice by not being able to tackle whatever beast this is that I should be fighting by trying disguising it as a puppy dog or, or whatever it is. And so it can really, it can really matter um, to pick these things apart and figure out where they fall and what I, what you're really doing. And certainly, the first step there is it, you know, leaving room for not being right. So if I, if I'm not right, for example, let's do the Cartesian thing about my use of the Cartesian approach to science because I identify with being a scientist. That gives me permission to be skeptical about the the world and then even cynical and pessimistic and negative about the world. And I could just disguise it as me having a healthy amount of doubt and and just being a, a scientist. But that's, you know, if I really look at it in the way that we've done in the last 30 minutes, I don't think my story is completely accurate. And I think I really have to leave, if I'm really being honest with myself, I tend to fall on the negative end of doubt. And I really don't want to be there anymore. And I think that's probably the purpose of talking about this today, uh, to, to sort of 
realize that for myself and, and share it with you. And maybe you do the same thing, or maybe you have people in your life that do the same thing. Maybe you have negative people in your life that get you really angry. And maybe now you'll have a little bit more empathy or sympathy with them because you understand what they're trying to do. They don't, they don't know they're lying to themselves. Now, why the cynicism? Again, it's a t- completely different thing. It has nothing to do with doubt, right? It's, it's fear. I, you know, I'm, I, I fear disappointment. You know, I fear failure. So I, I have learned related to the doubt, related to the Cartesian approach to life that, and how many of you have said this? Uh, so I wish I could remember the exact phrase, something like, well, I'll just assume a negative outcome and that way I'll be, I'll, I'll assume the worst and that way anything that happens is going to be better than that and I'll feel a little bit better about it. Now on the first part of that statement, assuming the worst, that's not a terrible approach. Because, you know, who, who cares what you assume going into it? Um, necessarily a terrible approach. We might get it. If I remember, I'll get into why I think it is a terrible approach. But that's certainly something that I have done. I'll just assume the worst outcome. That way I'll be pleasantly surprised when the outcome isn't that bad. Because it probably isn't going to be the worst outcome. Um, whereas there are other people in the world who assume, they do the opposite of that. They assume everything's going to work out fine. And then there are people in the middle, and then the real right position is don't make any assumptions about the future because you're not a mind reader, you're not a crystal ball reader, you're not a forecaster, you can't do that. And so the real behavior that you want to change in there isn't to pick some position along the continuum of what you can know about the future, it's to just to admit that you can't. And, and that's the position I'm trying to take with the election. It's just, you know, I, I can't do anything about it. Um, I'm curious and I'm sort of passionate and, and emotional about the whole thing. And it's, and it's going to be a long week, maybe longer. Uh, and that's all I can do about it. I, I certainly can't predict the outcome. Uh, I don't want to assume the worst. Okay. Going back to the assume the worst thing. How many of you do that? I'd certainly do that. I, yeah, I am guilty of that. Now what's wrong with that? One, the whole thing is wrong because I can't assume I'm going to know anything about anything, but because we are creatures that need information because we're, our brains evolved in a world that was protecting ourselves from death, we had to sort of try to predict the future to figure out how we can protect ourselves so that we could live another day. So we do that thing. So the one thing we can try to do is not do that would be the ultimate approach to um, needing to know an outcome so that you'd feel better about some future state is just saying, I can't, I'll be peaceful with that. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to try to relax and I'm going to do something different besides trying to predict the future. Or the next best thing would be just to try to take a neutral perspective. Well, it's, if you have a habit like mine, it's pretty easy to to come up with the worst case scenario. It's something we do. Now it's harder for me to come up with the best case scenario, but if you try pretty hard, you can do it. And so if you can define the, the possible endpoints of some outcome of some situation, then you should be able to take an average and find out just sort of a, an average you know, outcome of that situation. Say you're going to you know, give a you're, you're, you fear public speaking because that's a common one that people use all the time. And you have, a, you have to give a job interview or you have to do like a um, whatever, some sort of mini lecture, 15-minute public speaking event that you have to go to. You could say, 
I'm going to suck. I'm going to pass out. I'm going to puke all over myself, embarrass myself, and everything's going to be terrible. That's, you know, assume the worst case scenario and that doesn't happen. You'll feel better about it. Well, no, you're going to assume the worst case scenario and that's going to drive you freaking nuts and you're going to be anxious all the way up to the time you're done. And it's probably going to negatively affect your performance because you didn't do anything to try to calm yourself down. The flip side of that is I'm going to go in there and people are going to throw million dollar bills at me because I'm going to be so freaking awesome. And then when I'm done, I'm going to be an influencer and I'm going to be driving a Bentley. Yeah, that's probably not going to happen either. So something, you know, then you say, well, what's going to happen in the middle? Well, what what other experiences have I had in my life at public speaking events where I've seen people, just average people, not, you know, the time I went to see uh, Joel Olstein or or whoever, or Oprah, you know. Or the Brene Brown vulnerability TED Talk. You know, you, you're not going to knock one out of the park like those guys. Just sometime you saw people, you know, randomly speaking in public. What was that like? That's probably closer to what yours is going to be like. You may make some mistakes. You may, may forget some stuff. But you know the crowd's going to be forgiving. And at the end, it's all going to be said and done. And then by the time it's all over, nobody's going to give care. And they'll all forget about it because they're really just, you know, waiting for you to hurry up and finish so they can go outside and have a smoke or go to the bathroom or get something to drink or whatever. Um... So that all the doubt in the world isn't going to change any of it. Um, what it could do is leave you open from being either overly naive or being arrogant, right? At the end of the day, you know, similar to the doubt thing, I sort of pride myself of having naivety, but only in the sense of having beginner's mind. I try to, I try to minimize, (laughs) this is going to sound so hypocritical. I would like to think that I minimize the set of assumptions that I bring forward with me when making decisions or generating opinions or beliefs about something. I like to think that I do have a beginner's mind, that I that I try not to be influenced by too many things. But at the same time, I'm such an information you know, addict that I generally go into something pretty well informed and it's difficult not to be influenced by those pieces of information that fit my you know, general worldview, that sort of ethnocentrism, confirmation bias. I would like to think I reduce my confirmation bias by being naive. I don't know that I'm very good at it, but I'm probably better than some people. And I certainly don't go into something thinking I'm 100% right. And I'm willing to admit that there's some wiggle room in there. But naivety to me can be a, can be a positive thing because of the beginner's mind. Now, it can be a very negative thing and basically mean that you don't know what you're doing. You're an amateur. You're going to make all kinds of mistakes and people are going to laugh at you and walk all over you because, you know, you don't have some sort of defense against the world taking advantage of you. But outside the context of aggression from other people and sort of sabotage by other people, naivety is not such a terrible thing. On the flip side of naivety is probably, you know, being exceptionally well-informed and knowledgeable. Ooh, there's knowledge. Knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. There's something going on here with naivety. And and then even more than that is the confidence that that brings. I'm not sure anyone would argue that a state of naivety, naivete, induces confidence. (laughs) But I think being highly informed and knowledgeable can, can support a confident position. So this weirdness here. Okay, so... If naivete and confidence are related to knowledge, then how does that fit into the formula? Can you maintain sort of a beginner's mind, but generate confidence 
in a different way. Like maybe you remove knowledge from the definition of naivete, and really now we're just talking about sort of a a position uh, to come at uh, knowledge from. Okay, so I don't think necessarily naivete and incompetence have to be related to knowledge, but certainly having knowledge contributes. Well, I think having knowledge combined with experience, wisdom, that is the confidence that I would like to inform me, not a false confidence. And I think, you know, I'm almost more afraid of failing with false confidence than failing from naivety. I mean, because then, then at least you've got an excuse. Why didn't I know any better? And then you can pick yourself back up and move along, and, and maybe the rest of the world won't make fun of you as much. But if you go into something arrogant and fail, <laughs> that looks pretty bad. <laughs> but it shouldn't matter, I guess. Um, but doubt and confidence are definitely related somehow. And I would like to have more confidence and less doubt. But at the same time, I don't want to give up the beginner's mind state. The, or I don't want to stop admitting that I might be wrong. So what does doubt even mean? You know, that I think there could be a different explanation. I think I might be incorrect. I think that might not happen. I mean, that doesn't even sound like it's, it needs to have a word to describe it. It just sounds like uh, a natural way to approach life. Um, again, the three most important words in the human language, I don't know. I, I'm sure I've mentioned that on, on podcasts before. Uh, when I worked at the pet store in my, my big, giant, uh, brutal, uh, you know, tough-looking owner boss told me that one time. He's like, you know, when you, somebody asks you a question and you don't know the answer, don't bullshit them. Just tell them you don't know. Tell them you'll find out. Say, I don't know, but I'm happy to help you find out the answer to that question. Nobody's ever going to fault you for that, and it's not going to create any problems. Making stuff up <laughs> to answer a question is going to cause problems. And so there's, you know, is doubt simply the word that means you understand that you don't know? I'm, hey, I'm cool with that. That's that's where I want to be. Uh, and just a reminder, you know, an advisor that says, remember, you, you remember you could be wrong about this. There's a little bit of doubt. And then just leave it at that. And then all the other stuff sort of makes more sense because now those words have more distinct meanings and don't necessarily come under the umbrella of doubt. It's almost like pessimism and skepticism and cynicism are all um, talking about something different. You know, there are more severe, specific forms of doubt that have become um, problematic, whereas regular old doubt isn't that problematic. So... I, you know, I, I struggle along this, this continuum because I want confidence. I I mean, mostly with sharing my message with the world and not feeling like because I'm a weird or because I don't fit in with the status quo that I'm less than everybody else, that sort of confidence, just recognizing that I'm okay. Um, and doubt plays into that because I have used that term to depict the feeling that 
that's not true. Now, I don't think admitting that I might be wrong uh, is not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an unhealthy belief system underneath all of that uh, that's based in in fear and simply agreements that I've made with myself in the past. And we will get to all of that. That's a bigger thing, explanation as to why I experience a less than feeling, um, which makes it difficult for me to be confident about things that I want to do in the world that mean a lot to me. But I don't think that has anything to do with doubt. I think it has more to do with a protectionist pessimism related to the Cartesian approach that I use as a blockade so that I don't have to deal with the actual failure that I'm so afraid of. Something like that. So while doubt is a cool concept and all of this stuff is underneath it, it's a great way to sort of get to some of these uh, issues. And the other, the flip side of that is, or coupled with my uh, struggle with confidence is not wanting to be arrogant. You know, some of the, when I look at people in the world and I see people who are exceptionally arrogant, like, you know, some bullies can be, you know, I've always wondered why these people that are such obvious assholes um, are so freaking confident. It's like a, a false confidence. Like, where did this come from? It's not based on anything, but it's freaking working. It goes back to that sort of facade I was talking about. I don't want that. (laughs) You know, if that's how you get confidence, I don't want to be arrogant. I don't want to be viewed by other people as being selfish or that self-centered. And, you know, arguably I am incredibly self-centered, but I think you know what I'm talking about, this sort of um, lack of empathy for other people and this, um, you know, Gaston from Beauty and the Beast sort of... um, um, persona. Uh, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm afraid of being that. And again, it goes back to my mom and dad. My dad was sort of more that, and my mom was sort of more the opposite. And so I, I didn't want to be that. And so I, I chose to be more like my mom. And so I'm afraid, I guess, to get too close to confidence because it could be perceived as arrogance, right? I mean, there's, that's basically it. Uh, and that, and, and that's a whole nother thing. Um, that doesn't have anything to do with doubt, but, but doubt, you know, leads to the confidence thing. And that's a part of it. <clears throat> this is just another part of that. And I think, you know, I think that's a lot and, uh, I'm not sure I could even sum it up because I went so many different places that I didn't expect to go. Um, so I think, I think fundamentally we're not all right. And so a little bit of self-doubt is a good thing, uh, but it's not even really self-doubt. It's just, you know, simply admitting that you don't know. So really that takes doubt out of that whole equation, but that's a pretty cool thing to observe um, that you simply don't know. And that doesn't have anything to do with doubt. And these things like um, pessimism and cynicism uh, can be unhealthy negative traits that don't do anybody any good. Um, certainly I'm not sure that the opposite of being overly optimistic, uh, is, is, is any, any better, but certainly if you look at the amount of times where, um, a situation arises that's hurtful, either physically or emotionally, if you had gone into those situations with optimism, the preceding moments would have at least been more pleasant. 
You know, pessimism is not a pleasant state of mind. Doubt is neither unpleasant nor pleasant. Once you slide into these other descriptive terms, I think you run into the point where you're, you know, you're choosing to be dissatisfied more often than not. And so the last thing I, you know, so there's a, there's an unhealthy element of, um, I don't know, or doubt, uh, that can arise, um, based on sort of your attitude, um, or your belief, your belief system, I guess. Now, another thing I wanted to say, and I guess I'll mention at the end is the concept of gratitude. And I'm not, I know that doesn't sound like that necessarily relates to doubt, but so let me try to make a point, you know, so, so doubt is a healthy thing, but it can, it can slow down. I guess maybe like everything can slide into the negative zone where it has a, a less than pleasant effect on your life as an individual who wants to go around assuming the worst all the time. And it can also have a negative effect on the people around you who wants to be around the person that's always negative. So doubt can have a strong negative element just by its nature, where I think if we define it more as neutral, then it's a good thing. Maybe every term is like this. Maybe every term has like, you know, a a, a dark and a light side and really just tries to stay in the middle. Um, I have had some experience with gratitude lately and I, and I have read some things and been educated to the point where I think I understand a little bit better about the point of it. So, I always viewed this sort of, I, you know, I would roll my eyes when you hear the gratitude. It's like, yes, let's have gratitude and do yoga and eat, you know, kale salad and we'll all be better. All you got to do is be, have gratitude. Um, but there's, there's, there's something to be said there because grat- if you choose gratitude, choosing gratitude is, is, does two things. One, it uh, uh, helps you believe that there is a choice. If you can stop what you're doing and choose to be great, grateful, then you've controlled what you're thinking for a moment. And that's pretty awesome in and of itself. And then if you're going to be able to do that, why then choose something like cynicism? <laughs> you know, not that cynicism is the opposite of gratitude, but you know, positive and negative probably. And so if you have an opportunity to choose to feel something that is more pleasant than something else, why did, why did you choose that? Um, and I've actually had this experience by doing some, actually, actually just sucking it up and sitting down and doing some of these gratitude exercises, like simply reminding yourself how good a shower feels. You know, I actually come out of that and I feel a little better. Um, and it's pretty neat because I, you know, I did that to myself. I didn't, you know, I wasn't run by my emotions for that minute for some seemingly random, um, thing. And, and it, and that does relate to the skepticism and the doubt because, I tended to believe that that's just how I was. I was just a more pessimistic person. I was just more cynical, more doubtful. Maybe because of my scientific training, maybe just because of my DNA, but I don't I don't believe that anymore. I think this is something that I'm choosing. And so if I'm choosing to do this and there is some negativity associated with this, either how I feel, I don't I don't I don't want to believe that after the election everything's going to suck. You know, I don't want to go about my day thinking that. Now, I don't necessarily want to go, everything's going to be great. I'm going to get a unicorn in the mail from the government. You know, I don't want to do that either. All I simply want to do is have sort of a neutral viewpoint on the future um, and carry that 
emotional feeling with me. Simply neutral is fine right now. Uh, and then how that will affect the people around me. Being neutral means I'm not being negative. That's good for me. That's good for people around me. What's wrong with that? And so by, by, by doing this exercise, thank you very much for participating. If you're still here, I'm impressed. Curiosity is a wonderful thing. Maybe this has helped you a little bit. Um, it's helped me work through what's going on with this doubt, cynicism, pessimism, negativity thing and why... Uh, a that it that it can change, and B why that it's probably important that it changes, uh, and that really it came down to simply the story that I was telling myself, and, and this is an old story that I told myself a long time ago that I've just been perpetuating, that by being doubtful I'm protecting myself, I'm being smart, I'm I'm demonstrating my superiority in the world or whatever, and making better decisions. But you know, at the end of the day. I have spent too much time focused on that part of my personality, and it has it has kept me in the field of skepticism, uh, cynicism, and negativity more often than I care to have been. And that's that's pretty pretty cool realization just by talking about it for a little while. And uh, <clears throat> I think by a having a different definition of what doubt means just you know when i start to think about that element of my personality and that you know defining me i'm going to back off and just say you know that's just the part of me that all i'm saying is i i don't know everything that's it i'm the guy that doesn't know everything i'm not the guy that doubts everything that's right just listen to that it's different um yeah, and it's and it's curious to see i am going i am curious to see if that will influence um the, the, the continuum of negativity to positivity or neutrality that I bring to the world uh, just by changing that thought about who I am. It's pretty cool. And incidentally, you know, this is, this is part of the work that I've been doing. Um, and you can check out uh, the stuff that I've been um, learning about on pathwaytohappiness.com uh, with Gary Van Warmerdam. And it's just really stuff that I've been reading and practicing. And eventually I may subscribe to one of their coaching programs. Um, but yeah, this isn't stuff that, that I made up. <laughs> I'm not that smart. So anyway, thank you for um, being part of that journey. I appreciate it. It's been super helpful. I hope that you've gotten something out of it. Um, if you have, please let me know. Uh, and, you know... Uh, Feel free to subscribe to the YouTube channel or my 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 webpage, my blog, where all these things are sort of located. You'll get updates uh, when there's new episodes, which is every Friday, both in video and podcast format. And then, so every Monday, I've been releasing sort of flashback episode just to remind people of the episodes I've done in the past. Because you know we're at 28 now, so there's a whole bunch of back catalog stuff that's um, worth exploring. <clears throat> and also on Wednesday, I do a little preview of what's coming up on Friday. So. You get to hear from me three times a week and you won't forget. (laughs) Thanks again, guys. It's Chris Bercher. Knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. This has been episode 28, Doubt. Take it easy and I'll see you next time.